0: Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That word there, that's not an emotion. That's a location. Grammatically, that's a location. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, people allocate that to a feeling. Liberty is not a feeling. Liberty is a place. When you feel the presence of the Lord, that's the acknowledgement of God that liberty just showed up. So when you begin to worship God and the presence of God begins to touch you, what that is is God's signal saying liberty just showed up to your house. That doesn't mean you have liberty. That means you recognize liberty in the house. The way to get liberty after it shows up is you have to make an action to get into it. You have to step into liberty. Liberty doesn't step into you. It's a place. When you start feeling the presence of God, God's just telling us the place just showed up. So now use your faith and step into that place because liberty by default breaks chains. Liberty by default sets you free. Liberty by default answers prayer. Liberty by default resolves in miracles. That's why he said where the spirit of the Lord is, that's your signal to realize, whoa, wait a minute, liberty just showed up. I need to create an action of worship to get into liberty, because liberty doesn't need a petition. It's already a function. That's why it's called liberty. It's not called liberty's about to get to you. Liberty's about to come. Liberty could happen. Liberty possibly will take place this week. It's a place. Once you step into it, it's kind of like going to Disneyland. You don't expect a hat for happiness to show up. Happiness is there. Why? Because Disney said it long time ago. We're going to create the happiest place on earth. I'm glad they did that because this is the most joyful place on earth. That's the most happiest place on earth. have to be happy to have joy, but you do have to have joy to be happy. (laughs) When I step into Disneyland, I don't wonder if I'm going to have a good time, because I'm about to break my keto diet. I know I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to have such a good time, I may regurgitate. Why? Because I know where I've just stepped into So I already make a determination, Charity. We're gonna have a good time, oh yes we are, Dad. What ride you wanna go on first? It's not hoping something shows up. It's because I know where I got to that I know what's gonna show up. That's the same thing with Liberty. When I feel God's presence, I'm like, oh, thank you, liberty just showed up. We're about to have a brain shaking, amen, God moving, divine atmospheric, divine implementation, God changing moment. Why? Liberty's in the house. Liberty doesn't ever show up for you to make a request. Liberty shows up so we can create an action so liberty can do what it's designed to do, liberate us. So many people, the presence of God comes in, they start crying. I don't even understand that. Why are you crying? I mean, I understand you're crying because you're overwhelmed. You're crying because God would have mercy and touch you because you know your life. You know what you've done. You know what mistakes you've made. But God's trying to tell you, listen, I know who you are. That is why I showed up. I know you're very framed. That's why I'm location. I KNOW WHAT YOU'VE gone THROUGH. I KNOW YOUR WRESTLING MATCH. THAT'S WHY MY PRESENCE IS HERE. I, I, THEY ASKED ME TO GO TO CHINA. I WENT SOMEWHERE IN THE MIDDLE OF CHINA. I SAY PUBLICLY. IT WOULDN'T BE FAIR FOR MY BRETHREN. BUT WHEN I WALKED INTO THIS MEETING THAT THERE WAS ABOUT 58 PEOPLE, I ran into hunger like I've never seen it before. And the Lord just told me to start with this story of China. So I'll start here and we'll see what the Lord will will have us do. I mean, I know how to preach a sermon. I've done this for 30 years. Don't you think I've learned by now? I've learned by now. I've been to 57 countries. I've seen a half a million people get the Holy Ghost. I think I know how to do this by now. But I'm not here to prove that I know how to do this. I'm here to try to help us get to where God has us already pointed and just to share that direction to get us to that place. Boy, you married up. I'm telling you right now, you married up. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. I sure would have hated to see you married down. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Just thought I'd say that. I walked into this room, and these 58 people drew something out of me that I was not expecting. I did not expect in the midst of a communistic environment that there would be actually that much hunger. You know, I had a question, Pro, when you were talking this evening when you started this service, and I thought, does God have to allow us to go through tragedy just so we can seek for him? God forbid. Can't we grow up enough as Americans to realize there's a way to seek for God without having to go through junk to get there? If we would just become as smart as we are or we say we are in education, in hunger, to run to God, not because we're in trouble, but because we understand who's about to respond to us, I wonder how much we would actually divert It seems like humanity always has to go through junk just to get to God. That makes like no sense. You know, some people, you can't get them out of trouble because the only time they come to God is when they're in trouble. So if you want to stop living your life in trouble, just come to God first. Make it a habit. And so I walked in this place, you know, communist, can't have public meetings, can't even pray in public, can't even have a birthday party in public. You have to have a permit if you have eight people or more in China just to have a birthday party. You can't do anything without some kind of major permit or permission from the government. They have it completely locked up. I met a man that made a cassette tape of Christian music, and he went to prison for six months because of that cassette tape just for duplicating a cassette tape. And he didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet. He wasn't even baptized in Jesus' name. He was just trying to do a Christian thing. (laughs) And here's these 58 people and they show up and I began to speak. I ended up speaking three times, but their hunger level was so high that it extracted 15 hours out of me. It wasn't because of the interpreter. It was because the hunger level. God showed me in a three-day period. He said, depending how much the container will hold will determine how much the God will impart. He said, if my people which are called by my name, will stretch themselves to a parameter. He said, I have more to pour into them in a short amount of time than they could possibly conceive. I just need the level of hunger to show up. I'm not telling you this story because of what he started with. God told me to tell this when I was in the hotel room. And when he started with the whole subject of hunger, I thought, well, here we go, Lord. We've got an open door because God's trying to say, he's not trying to tell you you're not hungry. He's just trying to tell you to change some of your appetites. Because some appetites are only prefaced based off whatever the family situation is going on because that's what's upon you right now. But God says, I want you to kind of regurgitate those kind of concepts because there's other stuff that needs to take place that I want to put inside you. And what has happened is I've run out of room. not the greatest dilemma of the innkeeper was? He didn't know who showed up. Knock on the door, and it's Mary and Joseph. They look like kids, and she's pregnant. And, you know, like any good innkeeper or businessman, he opens the door, and he doesn't look at them. He looks at what they're driving. And he notices they're driving a donkey. I guarantee if they were driving a three-hump camel or in our day a Hummer, he would have changed his mind. And he would've said, honey, empty the room. Price just tripled. But the reason he didn't do it was because he couldn't sense the atmosphere that was among him. Do you think it was possible for them to feel the presence of Jesus while Jesus was still in the womb of Mary? I've got some proof for you. I told you last night it's very possible because John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth's womb, amen, who was not birthed yet, when Mary walked into the room, could feel the presence of God in so much that John did a flip in Elizabeth's womb and was filled with the Holy Ghost, and so it's apparent that even behind layers of flesh you can feel a divine move of God when it shows up in your house. So why was that any different when Mary showed up, not just with seed inside her, but showed up with an obvious pregnancy now visible? And she shows up, the innkeeper opens. He, noticed? he doesn't notice the atmosphere shift. He doesn't notice the presence. He doesn't know something just showed up that's about to facilitate the rest of his life. Can you imagine being known as the man that hosted the Messiah? Can you imagine, be known as the hotel that hosted the greatest hero on this planet? Yeah, my hotel is tripled in price. Yeah, but my hotel doesn't even have a price because it's priceless. The king stayed in my house. He was one decision away. To decide whether the king would live close or distant. There's always those moments in time when you make a decision in your life and decide, what am I going to do with what showed up? As I was sitting here on the drums thinking about what I felt impressed of the Holy Ghost, you quoted it. In his presence is fullness of joy. So let me just start there and go sideways. I don't know if it's forward. I'm sure it's not backwards. But let's just go. Psalm 16 starts out with a very interesting dialogue in verse number one. The concept of this scripture that ends in that scripture I just partially quoted starts out with this cause and effect of prayer. But it's different by the time you get to the end of the journey than the beginning of the journey. Because at the beginning of the journey, in the preface of chapter 16 of the book of Psalms, which is actually a psalm. A lot from these songs. It's like the old hymn book if you've been in church a little while. Turn to number 172, and already you're quoting the words in your mind because you know exactly what song that is, you know? It's kind of like when Jesus was on the cross. Remember when he was on the cross and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You think that he was praying and crying out of pain? You're beyond pain at that point medically. There actually is no sense of pain. You have passed the logical, psychological point of pain. According to medical science, you're not feeling pain at that point. Matter of fact, I think he lost his ability to pain when his heart actually broke and he was bleeding, as it were, great drops of blood in the form of sweat because that scientifically is the sign of a broken heart. According to Billy Cole, and his wife, who prayed so hard at intercession that great drops of blood began to come out of her pores in her body. And he rushed her to the hospital. And the doctor took her into the hospital in Thailand and came out said, said, Reverend, what have you done to your wife? He said, why? He said, this bleeding coming out of her pores is a sign scientifically that she's actually dying of a broken heart. That's when I got the revelation of that scripture of Jesus in the garden that was praying for the world. It wasn't because, amen, he was literally just praying over your need or my need. He was dying of a broken heart. Physically, he had reached the point of death in the garden before he ever touched the cross. By the time he gets to the cross, by the time he's about to give his last breath, and by the time he says... My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, it's very simple to understand that. You have been to church. If I say this line, you're going to know the rest of what I'm saying. There is power, power. Just checking to see how many of you were raised in church. Why? Because as soon as I start the song, you know the rest of it. I've got that Holy Ghost. I can tell you're new. Hallelujah. That's all right. (laughs) What does that mean? When Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is song number 22. That's Psalms. It's a song. It's a hymnal. All of Israel is before him. And he's singing before he gives his last breath. What do you do when you're in pain? What do you do when you're in trouble? What do you do when you're hanging at your last wit's end? Do you complain or do you sing? I wanna tell you, if you'll start learning how to sing when you're hanging in your worst destitute scenario, something shows up by default. You read the rest of that chapter, it'll tell you. The Gentiles, the world nations are gonna bow before me. He was trying to tell me, this isn't the end of the song. It's the beginning of the song. I'll be back in just a little while. And when I come back, kings will be bowing before me because I'm not just a man dying. I'm the king of kings and I'm the Lord of lords. atmosphere and action need to become tandem cause and effects that we don't get distracted by emotional shifts so we can watch what's going to show up next so i stood in that chinese group and I, the lord impressed on me he said you need to preach about how spiritual movement works i said okay so we started to preach, and they sat down in the tables. They were taking notes. And you know, it was amazing to me because they had canned music. I mean, they played a computer with some speakers, and it was canned music. Here's the crazy part they sung the exact same songs every night. I thought, my Lord, I am in China. <laughs> they don't change much quick. <laughs> they sang the same song. I thought, you're kidding. Did they forget? They're singing the same songs the second day, the same songs the third day. But here's the, here's the greatest, amen, thought about that at all. You know, if we don't change songs like we sang that last night, don't they know that? What's wrong with those people? Hmm? They would sing the song, they'd turn the music off, and they'd start worshiping, and they would not stop worshiping until you made them. about the same group that's in this room tonight. And I I thought, they're never gonna stop. If I don't tell them to stop, they're not gonna stop. It dawned on me. I thought, okay, you can stop and stop, stop! (laughs) I felt bad, I felt guilty. I thought, my God, I've never had this problem in America. I've had the problem in Ethiopia, I've had the problem in different countries where you gotta, gotta be careful what you say because if you tell them something like, if you flood the altar right now, God's gonna do all kinds of miracles and you'll never get to preach from that moment forward because they will run, 9,000 people will cram the altar and throw their hands in the air expecting miracles to hit their bodies. So, so I didn't expect that in China, to be honest with you, because everybody told me, you know, Chinese are real reserved, don't expect much out of them. You know, they don't get real emotional, liar, liar. I got video of them rolling in the spirit. I got video of them seeing Jesus with their eyes open show up in the building. I got video of them doing things that I find very strenuous to even get to the very opening door measure. And I'm not talking about ignorant people. I'm talking about intelligent people that run actual foundations in the country, huge foundations of which if I would name them, you would know them. I'm talking about a man and his wife that pastored 3,000 people in the government, three-self church. I'm talking about a man that pastored and his wife 1,500 people in the Three-Self Church and another one 750 people in the Three-Self Church. That's the government church, a non-apostolic, non-biblical church, and they found out that this thing was actually real. What they learned in theology actually was real. What they learned in their Bible colleges for the government college as it was, which is really not Bible college, it's a college of self and what they had studied and read as history was actually reality one of their college students ran into one of our apostolic, amen, lecturers and teachers in the government there, and she began to scope him out to see if he was a thing he she could invest in, a person she could invest in, and then when she found out he was hungry for God, she showed him the way more perfectly, like Aquila and Priscilla, and he said, I see it, this is what I was reading in history. I thought it was a book on a shelf. I thought it was something that didn't exist. I didn't know that it actually existed. I want this, and." I I've got a whole list of colleagues that wanted as well, and they all got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, for the remission of their sins, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. What am I trying to tell you out of this? That hunger strikes a chord to open another door. Hunger produces something that cannot be produced any other way. You notice what he said, they that hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. Or righteousness, if you look at its content and the context of that actual whole venue of scriptures, it's not good beatitudes to learn how to live a nice life. It's actually a 12 step process, how to get to salt and light. That's actually what Matthew chapter 5 is about. It's not a bunch of good little sayings that help you get through life. No, no, no. It's a step-by-step process, and the end of it is you are salt. You are light. Why? Because those are the two indestructible things. You cannot destroy light, and you cannot destroy salt. Why? Because even if it dissolves, it's still absorbed into whatever it dissolved into. You know, if you, salt does not come in bottles, by the way. It comes in the form of rock. I've been to Nepal where I've seen the huge rocks, pink and black and white and different color of rocks that have different minerals inside them. But here's what happens. When, when salt gets hit, amen, it doesn't disappear. It doesn't get destroyed. It breaks into more pieces. And if you hit it again, it breaks into more pieces. In other words, the worst that can happen to you once you reach the level of salt or light, the The worst that can happen is you multiply. You gotta get the principle that hunger always puts you in a place where God will cause you to multiply. There is no destruction in this kingdom. There is no destruction in salt and light. There is no destruction with this revelation. You gotta get the concept that every time you get hungry for God, He's about to open something that you did not even think of. If you ever get bored in this church, you're in the wrong church. All right. That's true. You ain't going get bored with the power of God. You're out of your mind. I've never gotten bored when, I, never. I got bored when somebody else wasn't in the spirit and they were trying to give a lecture instead of a message from heaven. That's the difference between a preacher and a professor. A professor just professes, but a preacher demonstrates. That's the difference, amen. That's why professors are dangerous, why? Because they'll profess and teach you about everything they know in their subject and then they'll get diverted for a moment and tell you about a God that doesn't exist, but they don't know anything about that God, but you've trusted them because they know about their profession. You open your trust level and then they start trying to preach to you. That's where they miss it. I don't try to become a professor, I'm not smart enough, I don't got enough brain power. Excuse me, I don't have enough brain power for you linguistics and grammar specialist. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm saying. (laughs) And I know why I'm saying it. Praise the Lord. Lord. But watch what God does when he does open a door and hunger starts. The way this psalmist starts is not the way he ends. Why? Because the way you start with God in any prayer meeting, in any service, in any kind of commitment, in any fasting, in any prayer, in anything you do for God, the way you start should never be the way you finish. That's why I tell people, come as you are, but leave as God wants you. Don't leave the way you want to, why? Because it means you took a journey, Amen. you stepped in one way, but you stepped out another way. You came in one way, but God took a hold of you, and he caused you to leave a different way. Don't ever let this cyclic pattern of religion, that is man's attempt to please God, that's what religion is. Here's the problem with religion. It starts from earth and it tries to get to heaven. That's the difference of religion and Pentecost. Pentecost didn't start on earth. It started in heaven and it came to earth. (laughs) That's why it says, and there was sound. There was a sound from where? Heaven. You know why it says that, right? Because the sound they were accustomed to that was attached to wind usually was locust. Locust. If you study it, go all the way back to Exodus 13, you'll find that that's when the winds came and the locusts were in the wind. And Israel had become accustomed all the way through Joel when Joel talked about, amen, I will restore the years that the locusts to eaten. Well, that was talking about when the east wind would pick up and it would pick up a crop of locusts and the locusts would come and destroy everything that was on the landscape before them. So they were accustomed. If there was sound in the wind, they knew destruction was coming, that's why it was imperative when he picked up Joel's message in Acts chapter two and he said, and there was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. That sound was not allocated to the east. He said there was a sound from heaven. Yeah. Why, because it told them this one's not coming to destroy. This one's coming to restore. Why, because when you get in the church, the sound changes. And when the wind of heaven begins to blow, God's trying to remind you, this one's not gonna kill you, this one's not gonna destroy you, this one's not gonna turn you, this one's gonna save you, this one's gonna restore you, this one's gonna redeem God, so when I begin to feel the presence of the Lord, like those Chinese people began to feel it. I preach and I thought, God, why can't I stop? I'm like exhausted. I'm two hours into this thing and they're, they're just sitting there staring at me. Because I'm not preaching for your response. I appreciate the response because it triggers something in you. I'm not preaching for your response. Now, when people are quiet, I may challenge them, but it's not because I'm looking for their response. It's I'm looking for them to open their door. That's the difference. Yeah. You can separate after you've done this sufficiently. You can separate when somebody's not responding because they're closed right. or when somebody's not responding because they're soaking it in. Right. Good. There's a difference in that. And I have come up against the two differences. And man, the one wears you out and the other one just invites you to say more. And that's what they were doing. I mean, they're Chinese. They're extremely educated bunch in that room. And they were just soaking it in like sponges. And it was like they were pulling, dragging it out of me. I mean, one, two, three, four, five hours into my first message. I'm thinking, God, I don't think I can go anymore. He said, I know you can't. So I'll go ahead and take over. (laughs) And it just came like a blanket. They dropped their notebooks, they dropped their pencils, and for the next hour or so, I don't remember how long, because it just busted out in the spirit, they started getting the Holy Ghost like clockwork. You know, the the hard cases took three minutes. The easy cases took uh, 60 seconds or less. You know, if you've gone over 60 seconds, you hadn't gotten the Holy Ghost in that service, you were one of those extraordinary cases. You were one of those seekers. You were tearing. I'm thinking, oh my God. So I'm walking, we're praying. I mean, you just get to them and sometimes you wouldn't even touch them. Pastor, well, sorry, you just, you just look at them. They start talking in tongues. You're thinking, man, what kind of faith is in this place? And I walked up to one guy and I thought, oh, what? And I looked over at the interpreter and he's laughing. He says, it's what you think. He said, he doesn't know English. He is speaking in perfect English, worshiping the Lord. He didn't do it once, he did it for three days. He'd break out in English, I love what he said, it was powerful, so what an education in the spirit of revelation that you get when you learn and God gives you a little insight just for a moment of things of heaven, things in the spirit. If people could get a little bird's eye view, it would be over. You'd never have trouble with their faithfulness, you certainly wouldn't have trouble with their tithing because what a deal we get, huh? Come into the church, be a 10% partner, What partnership do you know like that? Come on, talk to me somebody. Most of them are 60, 40 and you're getting the 40 and you're doing the 90% of the work. God says, come in. I'll let you partner with my kingdom, 10%. Man, if you can't pay your 10%, I'm kicking you out of this partnership. That's what I do, but that's why I'm not God. Praise the Lord. If I was God, you'd all backslide, and if you were God, I'd backslide. (laughs) But I watched these people just give themselves to this worship, and I looked over, and this guy is speaking in English, in tongues, as he receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, because when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit gives you the utterance. You know why that is? It's not just a spiritual thing, a salvation thing. It's a kingdom thing, but it's a cultural thing. ¿Sabes puedo hablar español? You know why I can speak in Spanish? No, 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 no. It's not because I went to school, no. Es porque mi papá es de México, de It's because my dad is from Mexico, Michoacán, Mexico. And when he came over, our house was established on Spanish speaking. So the reason I speak in Spanish is because it's the language of my father's house. You know why I talk in tongues? It's a cultural thing. You see, when I come into my father's house, it's a whole lot easier when I step into daddy's house to go ahead and talk in my father's language. It's a cultural thing. You know, say, I don't know if I need to talk in tongues. That'd be like going to grandma's house and saying, no quiero tus frijoles. Yeah, thank you, I'm watching some Latins right now, going, Mm-mm. no, 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 you're gonna die. Why, that'd be like walking in and say, I don't want your rice and beans. <laughs> that, that's only happening once, because you ain't leaving that house, not alive. <laughs> it's a cultural thing. Why, when I step into the spirit, things begin to change things begin to get altered. The conversation of Psalm 16 takes on a different turn in the whole structure as you go down the list, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but he begins to change his thought process in his Vocal process, his words begin to change. He said, My soul, oh my soul. He said, Thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. As God begins to turn his attention away from his problem and towards God's delight. The soul of the psalmist begins to take a portion and turn, and the Lord becomes his portion of his inheritance, and the Lord becomes, he starts to become everything. The lines are falling unto me in pleasant places. Wait, is this the same God, that, the same guy that asked for preserve me, oh God? <laughs> Protect me? Put walls around me? make sure that I'm gonna be okay. Now he says, he's the Lord that gives me counsel. My reigns, he instructs them in the night seasons. He puts stuff in order that I couldn't have possibly put in order. He said, my heart is glad, my glory rejoices. The further he gets, amen, the more things begin to unfold. You know what the problem is with people in the world today is they don't wanna spend time with God. How long is a typical session in in psychology, sis? About an hour? About an hour. About an hour to sit down and have conversation, interaction to try to get to a particular point. One hour. And and, and when Jesus came to the disciples, remember, He he came to them in the garden and He said, could you not pray at least one hour? He actually wasn't talking about devotion. He was talking about warfare. right because he was about to go to the cross if you recall and he was praying as it were great drops of blood coming in sweat form out of his body and he gets up and he goes looks at the disciples and he says hey what are you doing you're sleeping could you not pray at least one hour he's not asking them to have a devotion he's asking them to step into the warfare that he's dealing with amen for the life he's about to give for humanity's redemption he's not talking about one hour of devotion (laughs) <laughs> One hour of devotion is the starting point so God can start unfolding some stuff. And I noticed this, the longer you spend with him, the more he seems to want to give out. Okay. Amen. And, and you know what I noticed? People that are the furthest away from his throne spend the most time asking for stuff. And people that are the closest to his throne spend the least time asking for stuff. So I notice that the closer you get to the throne of God, the more His glory shows up, and the more His glory shows up, the less words you have. Bible says that when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, there wasn't speech for six days. God didn't talk to him for six days. Can you imagine being in silence for six days? Some of you are thinking about your wife. You're thinking, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Don't be looking at your wife right now. you get yourself in some serious trouble. <laughs> But God God shows up, Moses shows up, and God says nothing for six days. Now, if he's a normal man like us, which I believe he was because he had similar, amen, scenarios show up in his life, which proves he was a man, and he's sitting there wondering, uh, hello, God? Lord, I'm here. <laughs> I'm like, I know you know that, but just thought I'd say, I'm here. <laughs> Ever felt that way? <laughs> Sitting in the presence of the Lord, and you worship, and you praise, and you talk to God, and you're like, your turn. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> Anybody? An angel, too? Somebody show up besides hell. Nothing. Just an atmosphere. What do you going to do, Moses? Just go back down? Nah. Came this far. I'm staying a while. Why? You know, God happens to know your work schedule. God happens to know what time you need to be there. God happens to know how long your break is, and he happens to know how long your lunch time is. So you're never gonna catch God off guard. And you're gonna say, God, I'm running out of time. You know the boss is gonna be calling any second now. God can speak one word and cause a Red Sea to open. God can speak one word. And your first Daniel's fast shows up as a lion doesn't eat that night. One word and an entire shift takes place. One word, two words, three words, it is finished. Earth starts quaking, rocks start renting. One little phrase, but you gotta be there to hear it. You gotta be in the atmosphere, and I'm not talking about you have to be in a particular chair in the particular section of your house, I'm talking about awareness. Okay, here here's the point. The New England Patriots are losing by three. It's a fourth down. It's a championship match. They're about to score a touchdown, and God says, turn it off. All right. Can you do it? And what if it's your team? Can you still do it? Oh, I can read mail right now like a book. What if it's your shopping mall? What if it's your favorite thing to do? Can you stop, get up off that project and leave it on the table and say, God, I'm hearing something right now? Awareness or lack of it is what's dwarfing our ability to watch things happen that are already supposed to be happening among us. Because we've learned how to calendarize God. And we need to stop doing that. Say, I need to stop doing that. Just, I, I just need to stop doing that. I need to create a new habit. I'm gonna work on a new habit. God told me, and you know, I'm a musician as you obviously can tell. I've been playing drums since I was 11 years old. I love it, I told God, God, I wanna be like those African drummers. I, I watched a documentary years ago when I was a kid. I watched these African drummers and they said in the documentary, it scatters spirits so they can have a peaceful village. And I thought, I don't think that's true, but God, I was just a kid and I thought, God, if they could do that, playing those drums, doing incantations and scattering other spirits, Amen, whatever they're doing. I said, surely I can play the drums and and cause the Holy Ghost to be used through my my playing and just cause me to become a person that's in a position where you can use that for your glory. I've always believed that since I was a kid. I used to pray that prayer all the time. Well, that was hmm, 48 years ago. So 47 years later, 47 years later. I went to africa last year in february i've been to africa many times but this was different it was unique i went to central africa and malawi the heart of africa i was preaching a a minister session for them there was about 500 ministers wives and and uh leadership and so i I was in the middle of of the last session there and the people the people were amazing i was just it, it really touch my heart I can see why it's called the heart of Africa because it got a hold of my heart it was precious precious people you talk about harmonies without any music wow would have blown your mind it was amazing it was amazing harmonies and anyway we're in the middle of that and I'm preaching and it hits me like it has on time and occasion before and I I throw down the mic and I run over to the drums. It, I feel shame calling it a drum set, and, but it, it was pitiful. It's probably one of the worst drum sets I've ever played on in my life. And man, I walked in that set and I thought, God help me. <laughs> but I started doing a drum solo because I felt it in the Holy Ghost, and those people went nuts. And I, that's not why I was doing it. I was in the Holy Ghost. I felt that. I felt like God was loosing angels. God was doing several things in the spirit. And it just broke open. They, they went into prayer after that. So when I got done, I got off and led a couple other directional things to do in prayer in the spirit. But when I went and knelt down, I went and knelt down. And I, was, I was praying, thanking God for what he did. And the Lord brought back to my memory. He said, remember you asked me? He said, remember 47 years ago when you asked me to use you? He said, you never dreamed that I would use you in the actual place where you saw the documentary. He said, 47 years later, I did not forget. He said, you forgot. You never imagined it. It never came into your mind. But because you're willing to extend yourself into places beyond yourself, I'm willing to give you things that you haven't even asked for. And the education in knowing what exploration of the Spirit actually does is a volume of education that can teach you a practice and a principle of every week and day in God to learn to exercise. Because here's the bottom line. You don't know where, when, how it's going to show up. What God wants to do through your life, what God wants to metabolize through your person, through your life skills, through your ability, through your talents, through your anointing, it cannot be metabolized unless you're constantly resourcing the source. And I watch this rider as he takes this journey Sometimes seemingly like he trips over himself and he really doesn't know where he's going, but he's trying, he's trying to stretch himself into places where his dialogue, his his words start changing, because if your words don't change with your progression then that means you've become a good receptacle but a lousy producer. You're taking it in, but you're not letting it process. It's kind of like the difference of of somebody that I think it's called bulimia where they take in food but they don't let it digest. huh? Some people in the church are that way. They're good to receive a sermon, a message. Then they go outside and throw it up. Well, what happens? That means it never digests and you're going to be unhealthy the rest of your life. Rest of your spiritual life. Why? Because you're hearing the word of God, but you're not allowing it to take root. You're not allowing it to digest. Therefore, it cannot multiply. God's purpose is not just to talk to us, God doesn't waste words. I noticed that about God. When he said, Let there be light, four words. Four words. And darkness said, Hang on, I got three weeks left. Nah. The next line in your Bible just simply says, and there was light. A four-word response. (laughs) Why? Because God is wanting to get us to a place where we become so conscious that nothing can interrupt the awareness of our everyday living. So we walk in the Spirit. Why? Because if you walk in the Spirit and you're led of the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God, so God put this concept into the writer's spirit. And he makes this statement at the end of this writing. He shows about the path of life, the way to get to God, the way to be in God. And he said, thou wilt show me the path of life. That's the process of getting to God. And he said, in thy presence is fullness of joy. But look at the phrase in grammar writing, it's not a period. You have the ability to put that up? Put that up. It's Psalm 16. You with me back there? 1611, okay? There it is. That will show me the path of life, colon. Pause for a moment here. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Another pause. Don't stop. Wait, hang on. But here's the problem. Most people put a period right there. Why? Because that joy, that's when the cancer gets healed at that joy that's when the check comes in the mail why cuz that's the stuff we're going through That's the stuff we're asking God to fix. That's the stuff we're saying, God, you need to show up. That's the stuff we're saying, God, we gotta have an answer. That's the stuff we're saying, hey God, can you show up in our family? Because if you don't show up, I don't know what we're gonna do. And all of a sudden, through all that mess that's being presented before God, God says, let's show up. It's that time, Gabriel, you go there. Michael, you go there. So and so, you go there. Why, we're about to shift the atmosphere. Something is about to transpire. And the moment God shows up, stuff starts shifting. Man, what comes up next is a Yahoo, a shout, a glory, a pastor. I got to talk to you. You're not you know it's funny Christian people that say you're not going to believe what happened. What kind of faith do you have? Like, that's unbelievable. That statement shouldn't even be among us. All right. Unless you're talking about Hollywood. Huh? Imagine, they got a miracle and somebody goes, that's unbelievable. Like, thank God you weren't praying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean that's unbelievable? Okay. Were you not expecting? All right. Were you not agreeing with your brother? Or do you just say words randomly? Think about what you're saying. It's affecting your atmosphere. It's an attraction. You make the deciding void of who's going to show up in your house. You know why I think some people don't get their deliverance to stick? It's because they get delivered in the house of the Lord, and they go home, and they don't change their language to match it. And you see, language is the invitation to whether you're allowing an angel to show up or a demon to show up. Why, because your language determines what has happened inside of you because out of the abundance of the what? That's where the issues are at. The issues of life are at the heart of humanity. So out of the abundance of your issues, the mouth speaks, so when your mouth dictates the same problem that you just got delivered for, what you're telling the enemy is in my mind, nothing's changed. Okay. All right.
1: But watch what
0: he does here. He says, in thy presence. When this you show up and your presence comes and there's liberty and there's breaking of chains and there's deliverance and there's redemption and stuff against to, amen, literally turn toward the promise. Turn towards what you said to me. Turn towards what I got in a vision or a dream. Turn toward what was prophesied over me. He said, when I get to that point, there's joy. Uh, it's not like a good old shout from somebody that just got an answer from God that you've been praying on. And Pastor gets up and he reads the victory report. And he says, Remember, we were praying for Joe Smoe? Well, Joe Smo was dying, he had he was four stage cancer. Well, I just got the report this afternoon that Joe Smoe doesn't have any cancer in his body, and everybody is glad. Of course we ought to rejoice. But it's almost like when I was reading it, I saw it, and the Lord said, where's joy at? I said, well, joy's when we get our answers for what we've been asking you. Okay. He said, is that a period or a pause? I said, it's a pause, Lord. He said, why do you think it's a pause? I said, you know, when God asks me a question, it's not like I think he doesn't know the answer. <laughs> when God asks me a question, I don't try to answer it. I'm like Ezekiel. I play the... The dumb guy, <laughs> thou knowest. <laughs> I ain't getting. I don't want to shortchange. Amen. The thought process here. So, I, okay, God, help me out. I know you're asking the question not because you don't know, but you want to see how far I'm willing to go. All right. That's what a question's for. To see if you're done or not. <laughs> Who do men say that I am? In other words, the real question was do you want to know who I am? <laughs> that question wasn't the question. The question was just the lead in to find out if they were done or not. Why? Because God's not going to feed you more than what you're hungry for, He's not going to give you more than what you're desirous for. That'd be like shoving a good piece of steak down somebody's throat. You know what happens? If I shove a good piece of steak down your throat, it's a good piece of steak, but you'll choke to death. And a good person can choke on a good piece of steak if they don't want it. (laughs) Billy Cole taught me that one (laughs) in his hillbilly form. (laughs) But I, I got to thinking, he said, watch what I say the rest of this way. At thy right hand, there are pleasures. What's the terminology? Forevermore. He puts an eternal reference to what happens after you get your stuff. He said, now that I've supplied your need, now that I've blessed your house, now that I've healed your body, now that I've answered your prayer, now that I've resolved your question, now that I've taken away your confusion, now I've done what's on your mind. Now stay here a while while I show you what's on mine. He said, at my right hand, what's the right hand? That's the place of power, right? That's the place of relationship, because ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost hath come upon you. Is that correct? That's what the Bible says, that you shall receive power after that. The, why did he say power? He could have said love because it's the love of God should have brought in your hearts by the Holy Ghost, right? He could have said peace. He could have said righteousness because it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Is that right? He could have said all those things. I said, I thought why I wonder, I wonder why he said power. Why'd you say you shall receive power? Because power reveals what's inside of us. You want to know what somebody's made of? Give them a little bit of power. Power reveals what's inside. God said, I'm gonna get the stuff revealing of what's inside of you, so the stuff that doesn't belong inside of you, I can make some space for what I have on my mind to give you, and he said, but I need you to hang out with me. So after I answer your prayer, don't just shout and leave. Shout, rejoice be glad over what I've done, but hang out in that environment a while. Because there's some eternal stuff I'm gonna put inside you. There's some eternal stuff I'm gonna reveal inside you. And that other stuff was only getting in the way for all the stuff I wanted to give you. So, but I need you to stay here a little while. If you'll just stay in this atmosphere for a while, there's some eternal stuff I'm gonna lodge into your spirit and it's gonna metabolize over time. It's gonna show itself forth over the next several days and weeks and months and years. You see, there's some stuff God can give through your brain, but there's other stuff he has to lodge in your spirit because your brain would only be the blockage to stop it from producing what its nature has produced in it. That's why that when he asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they started talking about what was in their brain. Some say you're a prophet. some. Some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elias, some say you're this, some say, but who do you say I am? Peter, finally, Peter thinks outside his head, which often happened. He seemed to have that problem. (laughs) And before he could think his way out of it, he captures not what's in his mind, he captures what's in the atmosphere. Why? They were hanging out with Jesus. See, the longer you hang out, the more you'll start capturing. If you just stay in the presence of the Lord. I was telling you a while back that, hey amen, I'm a musician. We, we've made albums since we, we were young. And, and it's amazing to me that after, I don't know, we had made 11 albums at this point, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, turn off your music. Lord, is that you? He said, I want you to turn off your music. I said, I I normally don't ask you why, but is there a reason behind this? He said, yes, I'm going to teach you how to listen to my voice like never before. But I can't do that while you've got other voices going on. He said, so I want you to turn off your music in the house, turn off your music in the car. So for the next 15 years, there was no music in my car. I know that just some of you right now, you're having a fracture in your mind. (laughs) You're having circuits blow. I see smoke coming. (laughs) You're like, what? God, don't ask me that. I live by music. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you how God had to deal with me. He said, I want you to go silent. He said, you've learned how to speak. You've learned how to articulate somewhat. He said, but now I want you to learn how to hear. He said, if your hearing will get as good as your thinking, he said, then your speaking will speak out of revelation." Thought okay, I'm I, I, everything's off. I, I took every CD out of my car. I don't even know where they're at. I'd have to go dig a long way, to go find all the stuff I used to listen to. And it wasn't bad stuff. It was Christian stuff. I love, I love gospel music. I was raised on Andre Crouch and the Disciples. Man, I mean, I, I'm the whole down, mow down, Motown, everything like that gospel wise. Hello, and praise the Lord. <laughs> I was into it, and God said, you're done with it. Right now, you're done. I'll tell you when you can. And he's let me recently, but because he said, shut it down. Why? I want you to dwell. It's kind of like that scripture in 133 that talks about dwelling in unity. You know, here's the problem. Most people visit unity, but most people don't dwell in it. Because dwelling is a lifestyle. You have to change some things in your world. You're going to have to change some things in your world. You say, I don't have time. You have time. You need to make time to understand the value of what's going to be imparted. He said, here's what I'll do. Watch this. At thy right hand there are what? Listen to this. He's talking about the pleasure dimension. Do you understand what that means? When God talks about the pleasure dimension, that's the productive dimension of a relationship. God says, after I answer your prayer, after I take care of your sicknesses and your diseases, after I handle your finances and bless you coming in and going out and bless you in the field and bless your womb and bless your cattle and bless you everything around you, when I get done blessing you, you're full of joy. said, I want you to hang out because there's a pleasure dimension coming. In that pleasure dimension, I'm going to multiply everything you have joy about. Watch this, do you think that when God loses a miracle, it's just one miracle? Then I'd have to ask you this question. When you put a seed into a ground, do you just, do you, if it's an orange seed, do you just expect one orange? Or do you expect a tree? If you put one kernel of corn in the ground, do you just expect one kernel of corn? Or do you expect a cob? Or a couple of cobs? Or 900? possible productive cobs to come out of that one stem. You're not expecting one thing for one seed, you're expecting multiplication, right? He said the seed is within itself, it's the nature of what I built that when a seed hits, its design is to multiply. He said here's the problem, when people stop at joy, they only get the one miracle they were asking for. When I, in reality, am trying to cultivate what I just gave them joy over, And over time, I'm going to cause that to multiply. I hope you're getting what I'm talking to you about. Let me help you understand it this way. When I was uh, about to go evangelize, I was 29 years of age. I I was just about to quit my job, and I had a rack. I used to deliver five-gallon jugs of water for a company, Utopia, that delivered bottled water, and they had the five-gallon jug, six high, seven wide, and the whole rack fell on my back it pinned me here and i couldn't walk for 2 weeks and they said you're going to have to do 6 months of therapy i said god i can't do 6 months of therapy you're asking me to go evangelize so god i'm not going to go i don't i mean i'm not trying to tell you what to do god but i'm not going to evangelize as a cripple i'm not doing it god i didn't even want to preach cuz i didn't want to look at some people the way they look at you when you're preaching none of you but it's they're all on the west coast amen and when i'm on the west coast they're all on the east coast praise god <laughs> just to be fair wouldn't want to leave anybody out <laughs> and i I said god i, I need a, i need i need you to do something i don't know i'm not telling you what to do but god i'd i'd get up and preach and man i could preach like a house of fire i'd finish preaching i couldn't even walk two weeks that happened my wife had to dress me you know how humiliating that is and she would dress me for service and help me literally hobble over to the church. I'd lay on the floor. I'd pray to get a word from God. She'd hobble me back to the house. I'd try to eat a little something. She'd dress me for church. She'd hobble me back to the service. I'd sit there. I couldn't even get up, amen, to worship God. I was leaned over because it was just horrible, and my back bulging disc just had pressure on me, and I couldn't walk, and I would basically hobble to the pulpit, and when I'd hit the pulpit, the anointing would hit me. It would just explode, and I, I could run, Jump, shout! I thought, man, I ain't ever going to cre- quit preaching. I'm like, these poor people are going to have to deal with four hours of preaching because it's the only time I get relief. Not really. But literally, when the anointing was on me, I could feel no pain. There was nothing wrong with my back. And when it would lift, I was out. Went for two weeks. At the end of two weeks, it just lifted. And I thought, God. Why did you do this? I don't even understand what you did. And I did not understand that moment until later in time. From then till now has been 30 years. I've never gone through that again. But from then till now, I have seen thousands of people healed of their back. What I did not realize was the seed of the miracle in my back that he was putting wasn't just one miracle. It was a volume. He said, when I get ready to multiply what I just put inside you, it wasn't for you. Every miracle is never for you, it's for His glory. And the reason He puts it inside of us is because He wants to create a pleasure out of it where it has an eternal value, which means it keeps working, and 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 it keeps working. working. He said, if you'll hang out with me, I will give you the dimension of multiplication. If you will begin to take time with me, everything that I had happen in your life thus far will now take the productivity of multiplication, and it will begin to do things that you had not even planned on. Instead of asking for more stuff, I think we ought to maybe think about giving more time that the stuff that has been given can now take on the nature of the evermore. Take on the nature of the evermore. Take on the nature of the evermore. There is an evermore. How many of you ever got a miracle in your life? Raise your hand. You got a miracle. Raise your hand. I want to see your hand. you realize that what is inside you right now has an evermore dimension already built into it because it was given by God, and whatever is given by God cannot be destroyed by hell? Even if you kill it, it will resurrect in three days. He said, unless the seed falls into the ground and die, it abideth alone. He said, however, if it hits the productivity level which is what? If it dies. What happens to that seed if it dies? There's an explosion, actually. If you put a microphone to a seed and that seed hits the death point, the death point is when it cracks. The death point, and they say there's a small explosion that takes place under the earth. Nobody hears it, but the seed knows. This is the point, and I just hit multiplication. He said, what I'm trying to show you, that if it dies, it will bear fruit, and that fruit now becomes the productivity for others to be able to draw nigh, and you'll touch them, and they'll be healed, and they'll touch them, and they'll draw from your tree, and you become, as the psalmist said, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season, where its leaf does not wither, and whatsoever, You do shall prosper, the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. But we who are of the seed of Abraham, we who are of the seed of promise, we who are of the seed of righteousness will loose ourselves into productivity. Lift your voice with the voice that's in the atmosphere. Lift your voice with the voice that's among us.
1: That
0: miracle was not just for your body. That miracle was not just for your life. That miracle was not just to preserve you. That miracle was designed to promote you and
1: multiply. Do borroco do yo yo Oh yo da ra to so a ayo ma sa na na i oh ma do so ye kod sa naiki o rolo ne no na yo yo
0: I want you to stand to your feet and draw close to the altar. I want you to pray for each other and transfer what God has seated inside you is multiplied. It's hitting the point of multiplication where there's enough to give out. Not just enough to survive we hit the point of multiplication and becomes enough to give out Peter hit that point in Acts chapter 3 when he made this statement such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk by the time he hits the fifth chapter they're not even enough words it's already into his shadow his shadow passes by it touches the people and they get healed that's when multiplication hits your aura or your atmosphere where it's literally inside your shadow I've had that happen to me one time actually I didn't even know it was there I didn't even know what I was doing I was preaching and God asked me to bring sick people to the altar and I brought 17 people with arthritis And then he said to me, find the shadow. And immediately that story came to my mind. I said, God, no. I said, no, what are the people gonna think if I say that? And he said to me, what am I gonna think if you don't do it? I said, okay, where's the shadow? I got scared because I thought, God, you're you're asking me to do something that I never dreamed about. And the lighting was facing this way. They had stage lighting, and you could see the shadow this way. So I found it, and I found I said, I want you people to line up right here. My shadow's going to pass you, and you're going to get healed. And they did. All 17 people were healed of arthritis. But the point isn't the action. The point is the obedience. So I want you to find somebody... And I want you to ask them if you can pray for them that doesn't live with you, lady to lady, man to man. And I want you to transfer, I want you to begin to think about miracles that came into your life and ask God to let the multiplication of that miracle now be transferred to your brother or your sister by faith. Amen, it's that extraction or impartation of the body, joint supplying according to Ephesians chapter two, where every joint supplieth. That's a transfer, amen, through faith, when you're praying and such as you have give to the person that you literally are connecting with and touching so stand in front of that person once you have permission put your hand upon their shoulder and begin to pray pray that God as Miracles begin to come to your mind that God did for you. Ask God now in the multiplication of it to begin to transfer to them and such as we That is the dimension of faith. Jesus! Jesus! By the authority of your word, by the power of your name, in the name of Jesus Christ.